0: Good morning, good morning. I hope you're doing great today. Fear is a liar. God says there's no need for us to be afraid for a lot of reasons and we're going to dig into that today. We're talking about step when God steps in. And when God steps into our lives, he steps into your life. When he stepped into my life, incredible things began to happen. Let's dig in today. Hey, hey, so when God steps in is what we're talking about and um, it's a it's an amazing truth for us as human beings, just flesh and blood and these pea brains in our head that that allow us to think and reason because that's how God made us like him, the ability to have will and to think and to reason. It's, it's amazing that the God of all creation wants to step into our life. And when he does, incredible things happen. When the Lord steps into our life, so much comes into our life with God. Because sin has separated us from God, and so by nature, we are sinful people because of a corrupt society and because the enemy who is on this planet, and and we get caught up in sin, and and then as sin separates us from God, we're unable to hear from God, we're unable to, to know God, we're unable to have a living, breathing relationship with God. But through the blood of Jesus Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit, we can can receive the Spirit of God into our life. God can step back into our lives if we allow him to. And God begins to do amazing things, peace and healing and forgiveness and direction and vision and clarity and wisdom and all the things of God he brings into our life. And if we don't accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our life, if we don't invite him into our life, we are living on this planet without the power and the presence of God in us. He's very active in the world. But what God wants more than anything is to come and to live in you, in your heart, in your life. Take over your soul and put his spirit in you. When God steps in, Miracles truly do happen. I mean, God brings his power and your life will never, ever, ever be the same. So far, we've talked about a number of things. We talked about when God stepped into creation. We talked about when God stepped into Noah's life and when God stepped into Abraham's life and when God stepped into Isaac's life. And last week, when God stepped into Moses's life, incredible, incredible things happened. We talked a lot about Moses and there's so much about Moses that we didn't even touch on. But Moses, God used in a mighty way, Moses, probably the the second greatest biblical name in all of history, right there next to Jesus. Jesus is by far the most popular, but then the next person most people know is Moses, and then maybe Abraham. Then maybe some of the apostles. Moses, big, big time Bible person in the scriptures for us. And here's the thing, I, I heard a song this week that the lyrics said this, if I'm still alive, then God is not done. <laughs> That's, I love that. Don't you love that? If I'm still breathing, then God is not done with me. I've got a ways to go and he's still working on me. But if I've got breath of life, I've got hope. I've got a chance. Until that last breath is snuffed out, i got hope. And God's not done with me. I'm still a work in progress, and so are you. We all are. We are. But that was so true for Moses. Think about it. Moses is 80 years old. He was born in Egypt, remember, in slavery, 40 years, 40 years of wandering. Now he's 80, and God appears to him in the burning bush, and then 80 years old, 90 years old, 100 years old, 120 years old. God is still working in Moses' life. He truly believed that if he's still breathing, then God was not done with him. And I hope that's true for you and me. That we will serve God until the day we die. And we'll go out serving God, doing something for the Lord. But now Moses is gone. He dies. God buries him on Mount Nebo. The action is over for Moses. And God is going to step into the life of a man by the name of Joshua. Joshua. Joshua is a mighty warrior for God. He's a mighty man of God. And just take a look at this in Deuteronomy chapter 32. Look what it says. Moses came with Joshua, son of Nun, and spoke all the words of this song in the hearing of the people. And when Moses finished reciting all these words to Israel, he said to them, take to heart all the words I have solemnly declared to you this day. So that you may command your children to obey carefully all the words of the law. It was so important for God that that the word of God got passed down from generation to generation to generation. And now it's come to you and me and it's our job to pass it down to our children and our grandchildren and to the next generation. They are your life, he says. They are your life. These words of God are your life. Without them, you are lost and hopeless. By them you will live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So God steps in to Joshua's life and this ongoing work of God through through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and now, and now through Moses and through through uh, Joshua is gonna just keep on going and it's going to be challenging. It's not gonna be easy. It's gonna be difficult, but God is gonna be with him. Note uh, in verse 48, it says, on that same day, the Lord told Moses, go up into the uh, the, uh, Abram range of Mount Nebo in Moab across from Jericho and view Canaan. And so God tells Moses, go up on the mountain and you're going to see the promised land that I am giving the Israelites as their own possession. There on the mountain that you have climbed, you will die and you will be gathered to your people just as your brother Aaron died on Mount Hor and was gathered to his people. That's interesting terminology, isn't it? When you die, you are gathered to your people. God's people, people for you and me who have given their lives to Christ, who have died in Christ. They are gathered in heaven with God and we will be gathered with them one day. This is because both of you broke faith with me in the presence of the Israelites at the waters of Meribah, Kadesh, in the desert of Zin. And because you did not uphold my holiness among the Israelites, therefore you will see the land, but only from a distance. You will not enter the land I am giving to the people of Israel. And so Moses, because of his own hang-ups and his own unbelief, is going to see the land, but he's not going to enter it. And so God buries Moses right there on Mount Nebo. In chapter 34 the scripture says this then Moses climbed Mount Nebo just like God told him to do and from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah across from the Jericho so he could see the city of Jericho the first battle city that they're gonna take over Joshua gonna lead the battle of Jericho there the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead To Dan, all of Nephtali, the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah, as far as the Mediterranean Sea, and the Negev, and the whole region from the valley of Jericho, the city of Palms, as far as Zor. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land I promised on oath to to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. He buried him in Moab in the valley opposite Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over, was over. And here comes, here comes then Joshua. Moses is gone. Moses is buried for what reasons Moses could have avoided and could have led these people into the promised land. And scripture says his eyes were still strong. His strength was still in him. He could have went on into the promised land, but his unbelief kept him from going in. it. it, 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 it he settled for second best with God. And you know sometimes that happens with us we settle for second best because of our unbelief we don't trust God or we want to take matters into our own hands we want to do it our way we don't want to wait on God's timing we want to do it in our timing and when we do that we disrupt what God is up to and he says fine have it your way but it's not gonna be the best it's gonna be second best or maybe third best and so here comes Joshua right Joshua receives instruction from God. Look what it says, verse nine. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. And so now God is about to use Joshua in a big way. And in Joshua chapter one, Joshua receives instruction from the Lord. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan into the land I'm about to give them. To the Israelites, I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert of Le- Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. You see that? God says, Joshua, it's your time. God calls Joshua. God makes promises to Joshua. Joshua, you're going to lead the people in. You're going to conquer this land. It's all going to be yours. Everything out there that you see is going to become yours. What I promised Abraham is it's time now for the Israelites to inherit it. The promised land. What a powerful imagery, right? This is a true story of God's people on the earth, but but we can't help but see it's a reflection of eternal life one day, that, that God is leading his people to another promised land. And and this physical act on the earth is going to be spiritually reenacted in heaven one day when as God leads his people to the promised land in glory. What an awesome thing this is, right? In verse 5, here's what God basically says. Look at this. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. In other words, God says to Joshua, Joshua, you will win. Before the battles even begin to break out, before they step one foot into the promised land, God says to Joshua, Joshua, you will win. You just hang on to me. I will be with you. You remain faithful. You trust me and you will win. And so Joshua will have to step up. Verses six, God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous because you will lead the people To inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and be very courageous, Joshua. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And so God says to Joshua, Joshua, the promises are yours. I'm going to be with you, but you are going to have to step up to the plate. You're going to have to do your part, Joshua. The mission is dependent on God doing his part, and God always does his part, but it's also going to be dependent on Joshua doing his part. And don't you just love that relationship that God invites you and me into? that God isn't gonna do it all like we're a bunch of puppets with no brain. He's given us a will. He's given us ability to reason and to think. He's given us eyes to see what he has done. And he said he invites us in to be co-partners with him. Yeah, we are his workmanship. He is still working on us. He's working through us. He's using other people to work on us. He's using circumstances all around us to help us be more like him. But we are co-partners together with God. He he allows us to be a part of what he is doing, and we truly do impact and influence the outcome. We have an important part to play. And if we don't learn anything from Israel, it's, it's that very thing, that when we don't obey, when they didn't obey, it affected the outcome of their lives. It changed what God was going to do because God allows us to be a, partners with him in the work he calls us to do. And that's so incredible to me. It's so incredible that he doesn't just like do it and we're just like little pawns on a chessboard. That is not what we are. We are his tools and we, we are voluntary. We surrender to God and we say, God, use me however you want. And he does, but, but he also created us to, to play an active part in how it all unfolds and how it goes and how the outcome is as well. But God's gonna give Joshua some very clear directions in these verses that I wanna point out this morning. And what's really awesome about these clear directions that God's gonna give to Joshua is that they are just as true for you and me today. They are just as relevant for us. The promises and the direction that God gives to Joshua are as as real for you and me today as as they were for him then. And so it's important for us to listen to, to what God says to Joshua and take note of it. Are you ready? Here we go. Number one, God says to Joshua, as he steps into Joshua's life, he says to him, be strong and be courageous, right? In other words, this mission that you are about to embark on as you leave and go into the promised land to begin to take over the promised land, this mission is going to take mental, it's going to take physical, and it's going to take emotional toughness. You are going to have to be tough. Joshua you are going to have to be strong it will require bravery and it will require blood and it's going to recover or or, or require sacrifice there's going to be loss of life as you go into the that land and begin to conquer the land if it were easy Joshua anybody could do this But anybody can't do this, Joshua. I am calling you to do this because Joshua, you are the man for the mission. God has prepared Joshua for this specific time in history and this specific mission, whether Joshua realizes it or not. God knows. God knows. And for Joshua... What he's going to have to do is resolve right now that he is going to be strong in his will and courageous in battle and that he will have to go out to fight. It isn't go sit on the couch and God is going to take care of business. It's you're going to have to suit up and get out there and be ready to fight and it will take sacrifice and there will be loss. There will be loss. There will be bloodshed, Joshua. But you are the man for the mission, and I'm calling you to go out and fight this battle. But Joshua, you're going to need, you're going to need, you and I, as we walk out into this world, every day getting worse and worse, it seems, more corrupt, more, more, uh, more wandering away from God and the truth of God and the love of God and the grace of God. Evil is having its way. And God is saying, look, if you're going to impact the world, you're going to need to be strong and you're going to need to be courageous. As a human being living on the planet, you're going to have to, within your own heart, be strong and courageous. The second thing, the second thing he says is this, Joshua, Joshua, you're going to lead the people. I need you, Joshua, to lead the These people, and you know, it doesn't matter who you are, there's somebody following you. You're leading somebody and the older you get, the more people you're leading. Children, grandchildren, friends, neighbors, people you coach, whatever it is, school teachers, at work, wherever you're employed, whatever job you do, people are looking at you and in some way they're following you, not just on Facebook and Instagram, but they are literally watching your life And they're adjusting their life by what they see in your life. But for Joshua, it's going to be, Joshua, you're going to lead these people. You're going to lead these people. And so there's about anywhere from 600,000 to maybe over a million people that are now out there in the wilderness that Joshua is going to lead into the promised land. Now, Trish and I got to go to the prayer march uh, 2020 in March of 2020. And there were thousands and thousands of people there in Washington for this prayer march. Trish and I were right in here somewhere. That yellow circle is where we were standing when this picture was taken. So we're in there. We're blurred out. but That might be her head right there actually. Um, and I'm a little taller, so I might be the guy next to her. I don't know for sure. But we were there and I cannot imagine. Look at, look at all these people. I mean, I can't imagine leading this size group of people. Well, Joshua's called the lead probably three times, maybe four times, maybe five times the amount of people that that we're seeing in this picture around the the monument there. And it's a lot of people, a lot of people. And they're going to, they have just wandered in the wilderness. Remember, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because of their unbelief and because they did not trust God. They wanted to take matters into their own hand. They kept wanting to go back to Egypt. And they've wandered now for 40 years. But now the time is right. A whole generation, a whole generation has died off. God has had to wait on his plan to take the promised land because of their unbelief. And that's exactly how we impact what God is doing. This whole generation, God said, fine, you're going to die off. The next generation is going to rise up and I'll use them to go into the promised land. That needs to be a lesson to you and me. We impact what God is doing. He allows us to be a part of what he's doing. But God is very patient. His timing is his timing. He's going to do it in his way. But if we don't jump on board and follow his way, he'll just wait for us to get out of the way. He'll just wait. He'll wait for someone else to come up and he'll use them for the, for the work that he needs you to do or he needs me to do. And so we impact and we influence what it is God is doing. But the, the land is occupied. They're going to go in and take over the land. And here's the cool thing. They don't, they're not going to take over a desert land with nothing in it. And they got to build everything. These cities already are cities. They have buildings. They have, they have structures. They have roads. They have uh, everything you need to, to live and dwell And God is going to now, they're not going to have to build all that. They're just going to go in and take it over. They have to just destroy the nations. God is calling them to destroy the nations that are living in the promised land. And they're going to take it over and they're going to live there. They're going to inherit all the things that are already there. But the land is occupied. And and these people are not friendly people. They've already sent spies into the land to check out the land. And remember the report was these people are big. They are mean, and they are ugly. And they're, they're huge. They're warriors. They're giants in the land. Everything is big. And so in Joshua chapter 2, as they get ready to, to go into the promised land, Joshua is going to send spies into the land to check it out. Now that's kind of crazy, isn't it? Because this is like a full circle. Joshua understands this 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 idea of sending spies because 40 years ago Moses said we're going to send spies into the land and Joshua and Caleb along with 10 other guys went into the land to check out the land and when they came back in Numbers chapter 13 when Moses sent them into the land they came out out of the 12 only two of them said we can do this the other 10 said they're too big they're too strong they're too mean and and ugly we can't do this and so because of those 10 bad reports and the unbelief of those those spies they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years Until that generation died and God said, only those two positive reports that believed we could do it, Caleb and Joshua, you two are going to live and take over the promised land. The other 10 and their whole generation is going to die off. And that's exactly what happened. They all died off. And now a new generation has risen up. Joshua now is in charge. And they're going to go in and take over the land. The plan to send spies into the land is a brilliant plan. It was a brilliant plan. Just go check this thing out. It was a brilliant plan for sure. But just because it didn't work the first time doesn't mean it wasn't a great plan. It just had to do with the timing. It had to do with timing and it had to do with faith. Faith of the hearts of people like you and me. Do we believe that God is able to overcome whatever obstacle we might be facing? Do we believe for Joshua's time and Moses' time that that God will lead us into the promised land and with his help, we will conquer it? Or do we not believe it? It's a matter of timing and faith. Speaking of military decisions, I heard somebody say this week, uh, we have an elder in our church who says, the right thing is always the right thing. And I agree with that. It's a good thought, right? The right thing is always the right thing. But I heard somebody say this week in regards to um, some of the military decisions that have been made recently in our country, I heard somebody say say this, doing the right thing the wrong way is like doing the wrong thing. Think about that for a minute. Doing the right thing, what should happen, but doing it the wrong way is like doing the wrong thing. That's important for us as we make decisions about our life, as we make decisions, as we follow God. Doing the right thing our way is like doing the wrong thing. Doing the right thing God's way is like doing the right thing every time. And sometimes that's the difference right there. Are we doing it God's way or are we doing it some other way? Joshua is going to have to lead these people to conquer the land. It's going to take strategy. It's going to take understanding and teamwork. But God calls Joshua to lead. Here we go. Number four. Number four. Number four says this, or number, I'm sorry, number three. God's going to say to Joshua in the midst of that passage that we looked at already, he's going to say to him two things that kind of go together. Number one, be careful to obey all of the law. Joshua, as you go to conquer this land, you make sure you obey all the law. Don't turn to the right. Don't turn to the left. Don't take any shortcuts and, and do not edit God's plan. We do not have the right to edit what God has said or what God is doing. In fact, success, Joshua, success is is hanging on your obedience to what God has said. And if you don't believe that, if you don't believe that success is hanging on our obedience to do what God says, all you gotta do is think about the last generation in Moses' day. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because they did not do it God's way. And God said, fine, we'll wait 40 years. And it impacted God's plan. And so success to the plan is hanging on our obedience to do what God says to do. The second thing he says is, don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth. He says, you meditate on this. You observe this. You keep, you keep to this. You stick to this like it's the blueprints to a, to a building. Do not leave anything out. You meditate on it day and night. And you be careful to do everything in it. Physically, you live out the word of God. That's a truth for you and me today. Physically, we are to live out the word of God, just like Jesus, the living word of God came to us and he lived out the word of God. You and I are to live out the word of God because God says, then if you'll do this, you will be prosperous and you will be successful. Look, everybody talks a lot about success and everybody talks a lot about prosperity. And there's books all over the world about those topics, success and prosperity. And the world, the world is referring to a different kind of success and a different kind of prosperity altogether. It's totally based on coins and investments and houses and stuff. But in God's economy, success, right, and prosperity have to do with God alive and working in us And us living life to the full has nothing to do with what you have, has nothing to do with stuff. It has everything to do with your relationship and the presence of God in you. And then it has everything to do with where you're headed when you check out of this world. Because what good would it profit a person if he gains the whole world? And loses his soul. He has not been successful. He is not going to be prosperous in eternity. But the person who trusts in God will be successful and prosperous in this world and for all of eternity. The greater, the far greater. See, this is a call to know the word of God. Meditate on it. Know the word of God. Do not depart from it. God, know his heart. Know his mind so that you will be like him. You will make decisions like he would make. Right? That's what God is calling him to. In the heat of the battle, know the heart and the mind of God so that you will do the right thing in the midst of the battle. We know Guys, we know that salvation is from the Lord. We know that. It's the grace of God. It's the gift of God. We can't earn that or do anything for that gift. But our mission, success, and the evidence of faith in our life is deeply, deeply connected and rooted to our actions and our attention to the details of God's truth. Success. Success is is rooted in the actions and the attention that we have as people to God's truth. We must live it out. We must live it out. Number four, God says to Joshua, do not be terrified, do not be discouraged. This isn't wishful thinking, he's saying just try not to be upset, try not to be terrified, don't be afraid. He's not saying that in any kind of wishful thinking. He's not saying this in any kind of like, I just hope that you'll be strong enough to pull it off. God is commanding Joshua. Joshua, I am with you, if you trust me. Don't be afraid because greater am I in you than you in this world. Greater is the Lord in battle than any army can ever fight. Any evil, any demons could ever fight. God is going to win the battle. And if you are connected to God, God is commanding you and me, do not be afraid. And this is based on our connection to him. This is not do not be afraid, be strong, be uh, self-motivated. You are more than capable. This is not like positive, uh, the power of positive thinking in, in and of ourselves. This is directly connected to our faith in God. If our faith is in God, we have no reason to be afraid. We have no reason to be discouraged. Joshua, God is saying, you can do this. You can do this. Joshua, you have all you need. In fact, you may not realize it, Joshua, but for all these years, you have been prepared for this mission just like Moses was prepared 40 years ago. 40 years, and at age 80, God calls him to his mission. He was in preparation the whole time. So has Joshua been in preparation for this mission the entire time, and not by just anyone. He has been in preparation by the greatest teacher, the greatest coach, the greatest mentor, the greatest master ever on the planet, in all eternity, in anywhere, in the universe. God has been preparing Joshua for this moment. And God says to Joshua, be brave, and be full of courage. Your faith, Joshua, is in God. Just do these two things, Joshua. Here's all you need to do. Just do these two things. The only two things are necessary. Here's here's number one. The first thing is this. Trust the preparation. Trust your preparation. Trust that God has been working on you and preparing you for the job, just like a coach does with his players, preparing you for the game, preparing you for the opponent, preparing you for whatever's going to come your way, because we know what they're like, and we know what we need to do to defeat them. And so so God says to Joshua, Joshua, just do these two things, and you will be successful. Trust your preparation. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, There's this great chapter chapter of courage and faith in God. It's an amazing thing. The armies of the Moabites and the Ammonites and the Meunites are making war against Jehoshaphat and Judah. And Jehoshaphat is king of Judah and and God's people. And and so the the surrounding nations are coming up against them. But look what Jehoshaphat, 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 look what he does in 2 Chronicles 20. Some people came to Jehoshaphat. A vast army is coming against you in Edom from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in hezazon Tamar. It is in Gedai. Alarm, Joseph, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. First thing he does is we're gonna fast and we're gonna turn to God, we're gonna pray to God. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah, Jerusalem, in the temple of the Lord, the front of the new courtyard. And so Jehoshaphat's going to address the people, and he's going to pray with the people to God, to the Lord. And he's going to pray this prayer of faith and this prayer of trust, and he's going to acknowledge in his prayer that, that this army is vast, it's huge, and we don't really know what to do, but no matter what happens, God We are going to trust you. And we know, God, that you are going to hear us. Well, look at the end of the prayer. Here's what it says, verse 12. For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do. But our eyes, God, are on you. That's where our eyes need to be, no matter what, in whatever battle we face. Our eyes are on you. Verse 13, look at this. All the men of Judah, with their wives and all of their children and all of their little ones stood there before the Lord. This is huge. This is why our nation is crumbling. Because we, with our wives and our children and our small ones, our family, we are not standing before the Lord. We have people wandering all over the place, not turning to the Lord. We have people doing their own thing, turning to other gods, turning to materialism, turning to all other kinds of stuff. The devil has gotten people so far away from the Lord that we are crumbling from within and everyone looks around blaming each other because they don't really understand what's going on. And I'm here to tell you today, this is what's going on. With our families and our children and our grandchildren, We are not pointing them to the Lord. We are not standing together with them in the Lord. We are not teaching them the things of the Lord. We are not teaching them to meditate on this book of the law day and night. To know the scriptures, to know the word of God. We we have forgotten God. We have lost our first love with the God who created created us and made us. And our country and our world is going to crumble because of it. Already is. And so verse 14 says... 2 Corinthians, verse 14, uh, it says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel. Jehaziel is a godly man. We don't know if he's a priest or a prophet, but we know he's a godly man. And the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him, and he says to uh, the people, the Spirit of the Lord comes on Jehaziel, and Zechariah, the son of ben -Ah, and he says, he said, Listen, king of Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged because of this vast army that is coming against us. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge of the desert of Jerul. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, And see the deliverance of the Lord will give you. Oh, Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow. We must go out and face our fears and face our enemy. And the Lord will be with you. That's incredible. Just go out to fight. Suit up. Go out to fight. But this battle is God's. He's got you on this one. He's got you on this battle. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. You just suit up and let God do what God does. And sometimes God fights the battle for us and he moves every obstacle out of our way and he makes it easy. And other times God says, no, nope, we're gonna work together on this one and we're going into battle and there's gonna be blood, sweat and tears along the way. And God wants us to engage and fight. And come out victorious because we held on to him through the whole battle. And sometimes the battle lasts a day, sometimes a week, sometimes months, sometimes years. And we keep fighting and we keep fighting and we keep fighting. And the victory is ours if we'll just hang on to God and trust him throughout the whole process. Neither way, we will trust God and walk with him. But look what Jesus said. Jesus said this in John 14. He said, peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. And trust also me. That's another passage in John 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And do not be afraid. See, I lo- and I love the action... I love the the, the fact that faith and action with Joshua and God's expectation of Joshua have got to be working together. Those two things working together, Joshua's trust in God, Joshua's faith in God, just like James says that faith and action must be working together. Faith without works is dead and works without faith is dead. And they gotta be working together in our lives just like we work together with God. Faith and actions working together. Do not be afraid, verse 15 says, or discourage, for the battle is not yours, but God's, God's. That's amazing. Which leads us to the second thing that is necessary. The two things that are necessary, first of all, is trust your preparation, right? Trust the preparation that God has been doing in you. Whether you understand what he's been up to or not, doesn't matter. You might have to draw your sword. Maybe be ready for that. That's what God is saying. I'm preparing you so if you do have to fight, you're ready to fight. But there are going to be times where God is going to take care of business for you. But you and I, we need to be ready to fight in the event that God says, hey, it's, we're going to do this together. But trust the preparation. And the second thing is, trust your God. Trust your God, which leads us to the last thing is this. God will be with you. That's what God says to Joshua. Check it out. Now, verse 9. Have I not commanded you, Joshua? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. Joshua, you just do your part. You be brave. You be full of courage. You lead the people. You obey all of the law. You do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but you meditate on it day and night. You soak it in. You you saturate yourself and your heart and your mind in the word of God and in the things of God. Joshua, are you doing that? And I believe God would ask you and me the same question today. Are you doing that? Are you soaking in the word of God? If you are not soaking in the word of God, how are you going to fight? You don't have a weapon if you don't have the word of God in your heart and in your mind. It's our only way we're going to win this thing. God says to Joshua, no one is going to be able to stand against you. Joshua, I will give you every, I will give you every place where you set your foot. It will all be yours, Joshua. As I promised Moses, the promises are going to come true, Joshua, through you and Israel right now. And he says, you will be prosperous and you will be successful. And for the next seven years, as Joshua marches into the promised land, taking over Jericho all the way to his final speech on Shechem, God gave Joshua all of the land just like he promised. And it was no small task. There was work to do for Joshua. There would be bloodshed, there would be lives lost, and there would be lots of heartache. But the promised land would be theirs if they trusted and were together with God. When God steps in. When God steps in, God will do the majority of the work. God always does his part and more. He does the majority of it. All of the time, he does his part. Sometimes he does all of it. and Sometimes he allows us to be a part of the process. But like Joshua, you and I, we must suit up. We must brave up. And we must go out for battle and see the mighty hand of God at work. But we've got to let God prepare us. And we've got to trust that preparation. And then we've got to trust God to go out and fight the battle. When God steps in, when God steps into your life, when we invite him in, we allow God to come in because he's not going to pound down your door. He's gently knocking on your door. And he's asking, can I come in? And when we invite God into our life, we allow him to come in. Here's what happens. You win. When God comes into your life, he steps into your life, you will conquer just like Joshua did. Isn't that good news? That's amazing news. All you have to do, all I have to do, all we have to do is just turn to God. Give him all that you are. Let him be Lord and Savior of all of you. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Love you. Be safe. See you next time.